Dude, I was surprised how good Joe Biden's his legs were, weren't too bad. He had like pretty like tan legs for being so old and decrepit. I was I was pretty impressed by that. I was like, mm-hmm. I got that on record. Oh God, no! <laughs> <Yes>. oh, no. <laughs> All right, with that, just a pure observation <laughs> standpoint. Just oh no, we're for sure. No. We're gonna leave that in. <laughs> hey y'all. This is The Immigration Guy with Kyle Farmer. Are you Googling Joe Biden legs? Kind of. What was the exact Google search you just had? I forgot to type no, L. I put Joe Biden <laughs> All right. All right. Are you ready to start this thing, Drew? Welcome back to the Immigration Guy podcast. Happy freaking Wednesday. With us today is my good friend, Trevor. Trevor works here at the law firm, and he has a title that I don't really know because I don't really know titles very well, but what's your title? Um, senior Business Relationship Developer. Yes. Yes. The best senior business relationship developer in the business yes also you can call it bird for short that's why i always call you a bird bird. yeah big bird yeah (laughs) big bird yeah the big bird nice uh well it is getting close to bow season for deer hunting so pretty sorry about that do you do any bow hunting no i have shot my dad does have a crossbow but I've never actually shot at an animal before. Have you shot it at all? Yes, I have. It's fun, but I feel like it's not as satisfying as it would be to shoot with like a compound bow. Yeah, I mean, it's a it's a lot more like a gun. Uh, yeah. It, crossbows were illegal in Texas like when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And I remember when they became legal, I was like, oh, that's awesome. And then I was about five years too late because that's when I started bow hunting, like five years before that. And I was like, I'm not going back yeah. to crossbow now but if i were getting into bow hunting season crossbow is a good place to start because it's easier you can actually kill something yeah no and it's like a really fun pellet gun almost like that's it's like what a it really fun it. pellet gun that'll kill a y- lot more yes. than a squirrel yes yes of course you can kill squirrels with bows i've done that yes and i've know? never actually seen that happen before though Oh, dude, you can, if you, if a squirrel is on a tree and you shoot it with a bow, mm-hmm. you can, it, you pin it to the tree. Doesn't go anywhere. Dude, squirrel's delicious. It is. Oh, yeah. it's delightful. Yeah. Put it in a stew, mm. roast it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, what are we talking about today, Trevor? So we are going to be talking about the TN visas and specifically um, TN visas in the tech industry. Um because that's a it's a topic that I've obviously been super super interested in because most people in the tech industry they're primarily using uh, an H one B visa, and I feel like it's being really underutilized in that specific industry. So yeah, that's what we're going to be discussing. Cool. Yeah, and I'm sure there's going to be plenty of overlap for other occupations and mm-hmm. C and visa categories because a lot of people are going to be familiar with with both visa categories. But um, let's talk a little bit about some of the differences between TNs and, and H-1Bs. I mean, now obviously, that w- one of the biggest differences is the numerical cap for H-1Bs. H-1Bs are extremely competitive, so if you're applying for an H-1B, at least a new H-1B, 
you're going to be doing it at one time a year, whereas TNs are are not numerically capped at all. There's hundreds of thousands of them issued every year. Yeah, there was six. It's sixty five thousand for the H one B cap. And uh, fun fact for you, um, according to the USCIS, uh, there was four hundred eighty three thousand nine hundred twenty seven H one B registrations. so that's for those 65,000 slots. Yeah, it's it, it, that's incredibly competitive. I mean, it's it, it's pretty ridiculous. But that was actually kind of a nice change that they did um, a couple of years ago. So what they used to do was people would prepare the whole H-1B application and they would submit the entire thing with a cap that competitive. And then USCIS would conduct the lottery there. They would take the ones that fall in there and ship the old the ones that fell outside of mm-hmm. the bag. Uh, but they they changed their process a little bit a couple of years ago, which you know to to their credit, it I think was a very smart change where they made it into a registration system where you register, uh, you, you file for the registration. It's like I don't know, like ten bucks to file and register your H one B person. And then you only file the entire application if you're selected, and that was a that was a really nice change, and hopefully saved employers a lot of money. But the cool thing is, is with TNs, you don't have to go through any of that crap. Yeah, no, absolutely. And they are now opening up second and third lotteries too for all the unused um, H-1B slots too, and that's a little bit of a change as well, which is kind of nice. And and that's you were saying that a little bit earlier that they just throw away the ones that are just unused yeah so it's nice that they're changing that up a little bit yeah yeah definitely yeah i think that one reason companies rely so heavily on h1bs versus tns is because it opens up the pool of applicants a lot because you can get h1bs from anywhere uh, almost whereas tns you can only get from mexico or canada but I, I I do agree with you certainly that it would be nice if people started to prioritize recruitment in, in Mexico and Canada for a lot of these TN type positions even even in uh, technology where they can file TN visas instead of H1Bs because they're so much easier and they're 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 faster. But what did you have on on what about industries? What's the or occupations? What's the so things one applied for? Yeah. So just for everyone's knowledge, the way that the TN program works is there's a whole numer- there's a whole variety of different categories. And under each category, like for instance, engineers, the work that you're wanting to sponsor an individual on has to be applicable to that category and their degree that the person possesses has to be applicable to that category as well. So the categories that are really standing out and that are actually some of the most popular H-1B categories um, that I've found is uh, one of them is the um, engineering category. That would be a huge category under the TN visa. Um, You could use that for your software or hardware engineers. Um, Another one, which is really big is the computer uh, system analyst. That's a category as well that's on the TN visa. And then also, I know this isn't your most favorite category, but uh, potentially the management consultant category could be another one, um, especially if they were um, 
they're hired to like resolving like strat- uh, strategic and operational problems um, or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and then also this one is more applicable to kind of like all industries, but accountants, that's a huge category that yeah. I have found whenever looking at the H1B disclosure data, uh, accountants make up a huge portion of that as well. Are computer scientists on there too? I believe so. Let me pull up the category list. I think I they're on the TN list, but yeah, no, that the management consultant one is uh it's just a tough position it to is. get approved. It's, yeah. You know, that there's a nice aspect of it where that the management consultant doesn't require a bachelor's degree necessarily. It requires a bachelor's degree or the necessary experience. Uh, but it's just tough because the, if they're coming, so I, I guess just to back up a little bit, the whole TN process is done. If they are uh, Canadian citizens it's done at the port of entry. Uh, if the beneficiary is a Mexican citizen, then it's done at the U.S. embassy. The whole the whole thing, which is awesome, because you know, you the, instead of going through the Department of Homeland Security or Department of Labor, you don't have to do any of that. It's all done at the embassy or at the port of entry. But with those management consultants, the analysts are just tough, and there's no appeal process. You know, if you're denied at the port of entry or at the embassy in Mexico. You're, there's not an appeal process to say, no, I think this person did it wrong. Instead, you have to reapply, and the next application usually doesn't look too favorable on you because they, you already went through a denial. So they don't want to they, they don't want to undercut the the prior analyst. So mm-hmm. just makes it kind of tough. So I'm looking at the category list right now, and I don't see anything under. I think. Um, I don't see anything under computer scientists. I just see it under computer system analyst. That's the oh, okay. only other one that I see. Yeah, yeah. Some other differences between between the visas. The H-1B visa is what's called a dual intent visa, which is another good thing about H-1Bs. And, and a dual intent just means that the person can have, as a matter of law, both an immigrant and a non-immigrant intent, whereas the TN is a non-immigrant intent visa. Uh, so that's a variable to consider, particularly with any green card filings uh, or getting married in the U.S. or anything like that. You got to be you got to be kind of careful about anything that you do that would demonstrate an immigrant intent on a TN visa where you don't have to be so scared about it on an H-1B visa. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one of the other big differences is the uh, prevailing wage requirements. With T with TNs, there's not a specific prevailing wage that you have to pay the the beneficiaries. But with H-1Bs, there there is. So it's a it's an important thing to consider. But you know the the thing about TNs and the whole prevailing wage issue. You you really want to be making competitive offers to TNs too, mm-hmm. and that there's it, it, TNs are great uh, because the the visa is specific to the employer, uh, but it, this is a a market that's also ripe for the picking, and that the the candidates are hungry to work. Uh, the employers generally very much value these people, and so I normally see really competitive offers to the. Uh, beneficiary. So it's a overall though, it's a great visa. I mean, TNs are my favorite, probably yeah, my favorite same. visa category there is. Same. Mine is that in perms, you know, oh, uh, you're, love, you, you know, I you perm it up. Uh-huh. I've never, I've never seen someone get after perms quite like you. Dude, it, they're, they're so great. Um, 
you like perms more than the 1970s. That's how much you like perms. That's fair. <laughs> I didn't grow up in the 1970s, but I am. Neither a big... did I, but I've seen pictures. And <laughs> everyone had a perm back then. I think that was probably the 70s. Yeah, no. And another thing about the TN that <clears throat> is great is that you can apply for it at any time during the year, yeah. right? So with, like I was saying earlier, H-1B, you have to apply. It's April 1st. And then with TNs, any time of the year. Typically, with the TN process, it used to take, what, four to, four to six weeks to be it, able to yeah. book a consulate appointment? It was so quick. Uh, it's not the same for, like, a Canadian. Canadian, you just go to the port of entry, no problem. But and now, how long are the consulates booking out for Man, TNs? Man, I, I just checked, uh, and it was the middle of February. Okay. And so we're you're looking at five months right now. Uh, wait, October, November, December, January, uh, four and a half months. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of concerned that those are going to continue to get pushed out because what, what happened there, this was at least with Mexico. In Canada, you don't have this issue because they just drive through. But in Mexico, you do. And you had to book consulate appointments. And what happened was they, they had, I think, 10 embassies that were processing these applications, and they cut it down to three. And that made it to where the length of time that you're waiting on those appointments is really, really long. So it's uh, definitely definitely makes it tough. Yeah. But the cool thing now, they have that, re well, the reciprocity fee, it's like a cool and also not such a cool thing because you do have to pay extra fees. But now you kind of have the power to be able to choose that your TN is going to be good for four years versus yeah. and versus just one year. At the time, it wasn't it just completely up to the, to the officer of that day? Yeah, and what was interesting was it used to be like when we used to we used to request them for three years mm -hmm. and they would almost always only give them for a year. And then before the reciprocity thing, they did start giving them for three years, which was nice. But uh, getting getting the, the reciprocity fee, making the duration of that visa longer is great. Mm -hmm. I, I, I love that. It definitely makes the program more workable. And, and, and in the long run, it's still more cost effective for the employers. How does that work with the extensions, though? Like if you did an extension for TN, is it good for three years at yeah. that point? Okay. Yeah. TN extensions are still good for three okay. years. Okay. One thing that a lot of people... I think have a big reservation about TNs is kind of like they have an advanced position and they're a little bit worried about, you know, would we be able to really recruit someone that would be able to fill this position um, very, you know, very well? What kind of recruitment procedures do we go through to pre-vet everyone to make sure that they are qualified for the position? Yeah, so our recruitment process uh, not, not our, our law firms, but AW Labor's. The recruitment process for AW Labor is basically they get with the employer. It, it's a lot like if you were recruiting for a U.S. person. You get with the recruiter, you tell the recruiter all the things that you're looking for in the potential applicant. You're looking for their hard skills, their soft skills. Uh, we want to know about the, a good cultural fit type of person. And then we go and we look for that exact person. And then we, we pre-screen people. The first thing that we do whenever we're pre-screening people is to make sure they qualify for a TN. Because mm -hmm. a lot of times you'll get applications for people that just don't qualify for it or have the wrong degree. Uh, so we'll, we'll pre-screen them, make sure that they meet all the visa qualifications and all the qualifications of the employer. And then present uh, the applicant to the employer and then let the employer actually interview the person. And just like you would a U.S. worker. Yeah. And then just interview them. If if it seems like a good fit, great. Let's go. We'll then we take care of the whole visa application process. 
um, coordination of the embassy appointments if it, the workers in Mexico or explain to them what they need to do if they are in Canada. Yeah, I mean, that's that's basically the process. It would be a lot, it'd be very similar if you were recruiting someone domestically. Yeah. And then the nice thing too is that, like you were kind of saying earlier, is that we pre-vet everyone. So before you even look at these these people, um, we make sure to look at one, are they, can they apply are they applicable for the TN visa? But also, are they? Do they meet all the you know years of experience that you're specifically looking for? And then all the hard skills. But also, we're going to be recruiting for the soft skills. So uh, we're going to be factoring in the cultural fit within you and your in your company. And because of that, um, we have about an 85% selection rate on the first candidate that we present to all of the employers that we recruit for, yeah. um, AW recruits for, um, which is really, really impressive. I think, I don't know if this actually happened, but I remember one guy wanted someone to assemble a birdhouse. Did you hear about that? Okay. I don't know if that actually happened. He talked to me about that and said if we can set that up, if they could just assemble a birdhouse as part of the as part of the, the interview selection process. That one was specifically for um That's pretty funny. Yeah, that, it is I, pretty I, funny. I, I think that was for like an H two A I don't know, it was for an H two B position though. It wasn't oh, for a okay. TN position. So it was more of a construction, construction type of position. They want to see yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Kind of the biggest takeaways I think is, you know, if you are participating in the H-1B program and you're just extremely annoyed by the numerical cap, um, which you rightfully should be, um, the TN is just a really, really, really great option because like we said earlier, you can apply for it at any time. um, And there's not really crazy pros uh, cons to it. Um, besides, I mean, considering that the wait time's a little bit longer now, but that's still even better than the H-1B wait time. And then you can also keep these people here indefinitely. You just renew the visa type every three and a half years. So it's kind of a no brainer decision, especially if you are looking for, um, the individuals, like the categories that I mentioned earlier, the computer analysts, the software engineers, if you're looking for any accountants. Um, I mean, it wouldn't hurt to have a bilingual accountant. I mean, that's that's really useful. It doesn't hurt us. <laughs> no. And we've, we've hired a couple of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I love the TNV, so I'm all for it. Yeah. But all right, cool. Well, th- thanks for all that information, Trevor, and uh, for helping us go through the, the TN and the H1B thing. But now we're going to move on to something far yes. more important. <laughs> what's, what's your favorite kind of pie? My favorite kind of pie, that's a loaded question. Uh, fruit or like a custard pie? Which one? Like, Or is it just all-time great? All-time great. Pecan pie. All-time. <sighs> that's a good, good. It's such pie. solid. It's hard to mess up. I was really looking pecan forward to making fun really of you good. about this, but I think that you kind of nailed it. Yeah, pecan pie is good. It's a strong candidate. <sighs> My favorite, um, many people would object to, which is a pumpkin pie. A good it's pumpkin pie. That's that's pretty, yeah. Dude, the texture on a pumpkin pie. That's pretty polarizing. It, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. No, it definitely is. You like a lot of cinnamon, a lot of nutmeg in it? <laughs> you like I, the, the fall flavors? <laughs> I just like good pumpkin pie. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a chef, but I do. Have you I, ever made your own pumpkin pie? No, it's, that sounds terrible. It, it's pretty hard. There used to be this place in Wimberley that would make the best pies. And then they went out of business and they went out of business because they couldn't find people that wanted to work. 
Oh, wow. And so that's what made me so passionate about solving labor issues. The pumpkin pie. The freaking pumpkin pie. The pumpkin pie did it. What do you think about lemon meringue pie? I've never had it. Wow. Okay. What about coconut cream? Not a coconut cream guy. And it's just because it's gross. I like... I love coconut cream, but you must not like coconut in general then. Not a big coconut guy. Okay. Uh, Pumpkin pie is good. Blue... Like, I've had some blueberry pies. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, some of those will make a rabbit hug a hound. Yeah, blueberry pies, the only thing is whenever you cut it, it's just like, like it just goes all no. over the plate. Unless you put like, I found that the the trick to that is, the trick to that is by, don't you have to, I think you have to put like, like gelatin Gelatin, in it. yeah. And yeah, it's gotta that's be, what keeps it. It's got to be kind of cold. It is, uh, but also... Don't care so much about how your pie looks. Yeah. We care more about how the pie tastes. And the what about uh, apple pie? Apple pie. I think it's just mid. I think it's just a mid-tier pie, honestly. This is why I suspect you, you're Canadian. Do you like it with cheese, a cheese slice on top? You ever heard of that? That's disgusting. No, you're such a freaking Canadian. No, dude, it's That's honestly not That's the most Canadian bad. crap I've ever heard. It's not bad. Some craft single. On top, melted. No, get out. You uh, <laughs> out, out of here right it now. You, You're it making makes me it so complex, mad right now. Makes the no, flavor different. Absolutely not. You put ice cream on it. You can have like some kind of cinnamon on your ice cream. You don't put cheese on it. Don't screw up a good apple pie. <laughs> what dude, is wrong with oh, you? My grandma taught me this, and You're, dude, no. It. I was I was skeptical at first. And where's then, your grandma from? She's from um, Edna, Texas, I believe. Okay, well, she sounds like she's from... <laughs> from Canada. From Canada, yeah. What's up with your grandma, dude? Dude, my grandma is one of the best cooks there, <laughs> especially her baking. You know... Her buttermilk pie, really good. No one has ever said that their grandma's a bad cook, and I think that's just because that's a straight shot to hell if you yeah, do that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Drew... <laughs> Just said, <laughs> when she has kids, they are going to be disappointed with their grandmother's <laughs> cooking. And I don't know if that was a shot at her own mother or her boyfriend's mother. One of them for sure listens to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, all right. On that note, you want to wrap it up, Kyle? Um, yes. Let her rip. You do. You do. Trevor can do the outro for us today. Thank you guys for listening to the uh, Immigration Guy podcast. Um, and hope you all have a wonderful weekend and look forward to being on this again. Hopefully, Kyle will have me on again. Oh, absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Thank you all for listening to the Immigration Guy podcast. We really appreciate it. You can find us on our website. Go to www.farmerlawpc.com. You can find me on LinkedIn and Twitter. Just search at Kyle Farmer FLPC. You can find our law firm on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. All you have to do is search for at Farmer Law PC. Go ahead and subscribe to download all the episodes of our podcast. You can download them and listen to them whenever and wherever you want. Uh, We'll be releasing new episodes every Wednesday on Spotify, Apple Music, Stitcher, which is apparently a real thing, Amazon Music, Google, and wherever else you get your podcasts. This is not legal advice, so any information that you get from this podcast should not be taken as such. If you are looking for legal advice, you should consult with a competent attorney for advice regarding your individual situation. 
If you want to schedule a consultation, just go ahead and use the link in the description of this episode. Thank you.